episode 121, Stu McLaren. Welcome to Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless, tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Worlds they live by, for example, put the cookie down. Origins, biggest failures, fears, awakening moments, Yoda questions, yin yang, the alpha round, and their wake-up question to finish. To get all the updates and exclusive insider tips and resources of what's coming up and really be in touch with this show and make sure you don't miss a trick, head over to ayalpha.com. That's ayalpha.com, as in awaken your alpha. And I'll give you all the resources through there. You sign up, sign up to my email, and currently we're giving away my number one best-selling book, The New Rules of Success, completely free. So jump straight over to there. I look forward to sharing this journey with you. Get to the podcast. Do the little guy a favor. Subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back. Okay, guys, we have a brilliant one today. I've been waiting for this one for a long time, and I'm really looking forward to it. We have Stu McLaren on here. And some of you might recognize that name. He's the man behind Wishlist Member, which is a sort of, uh, it powers over sort of over 50,000 online membership sites. Um, I met him back in 2010. And you want, if you wonder all the links, that was at a Ryan Lee event who I just interviewed last week. Um, and it's absolutely brilliant to catch up with Stu. He's such a nice guy, a really genuine guy. And he's recently set up World Teacher Aid. He's sold, which we're going to talk about as well. He's sold his stake in Wishlist Member. He's now all about eliminating entrepreneurial stress. So, for example, if you've got a podcast and it's just relentless and it's out going out three times a week, you might want to listen to this episode. Um, so I'm really looking forward to this. But firstly, Stu, are you ready to awaken your alpha? Let's get started. I'm looking forward to it. Cool. I mean, it's, it felt like it's quite a brief bio. Is there anything else you'd like to add or highlight on your introduction? No, I mean, I think you hit on uh, all the big points, you know, I... Um you know, started Wishlist member uh, back in 2008 with my uh, co-founder, Tracy, and then we grew that. And, and then recently uh, I sold that. Um, and and it, the, I'm sure we can get into it, but the key things there was I didn't sell it because I didn't like the company. I didn't sell it because yeah. I didn't like the product. I didn't sell it because I didn't like the team or my partners or anything of that nature. I loved every single one of them. Um, but what I was really excited about was just stepping into the new opportunity that I have discovered for myself. And that is my area of strength, which is it's really helping people specifically entrepreneurs yeah. uh, eliminate stress, make their business easier so they can work less, make more and enjoy their life. Absolutely. Perfect. I mean, blimey, I didn't realize, cause even when I, when I met you in 2010, the, that was obviously it's two years into wishlist and it was, it was a, a beast back then. Even it was obviously it was really on the way up and it's uh it was a brilliant product. We just want to know your origin story. I mean, you're coming from, I haven't mentioned, you're coming from, uh, is it just south of Toronto today? I know you're in Canada. Yeah, just south of Toronto. Yep. So yep. I um, grew up in a tiny little town about an hour and a half south of Toronto. And, you know, one of the things that growing up was I was surrounded by agriculture. That was pretty much like the uh, career direction for most uh, kids <laughs> in our area. Yeah. I grew up on farms. I worked on farms. And so that really was like the pathway. Well, the only difference was I ended up going to college, um, a university, and I, I had no idea what I really wanted to do. So I just went into, uh, I, I actually followed my friends. They were going to uh, into a business <laughs> program, a, a really 
well-respected business program. And I thought to myself, okay, well, business will probably give me the most options, you know, when I get out. And so I followed them and they had a pretty good soccer team. And that was really my primary uh, reason for going to college. I wanted to play soccer at that level. And so I made the soccer team, uh, got into the business program. The problem was soccer took priority over school and uh, <laughs> schoolwork just suffered big time. So like, yeah. that sounds like my, my experience at university. There was my yeah. priorities were definitely, I was clear about my priorities, but they sounded a bit like yours. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So at the end of my first year, I got a pink slip that said, you may no longer proceed in the honors business program. You got to pick another, Ooh. you know, <laughs> so I was kind of taken back by that. And so I kind of went into panic mode and I've contacted a couple of professors. They gave me a few extra assignments over the summer. I bumped my marks up and I just barely got in uh, to second year. And it wasn't because I failed my classes. It was because you had to maintain a certain average with this program yeah. in order to continue. So second year really wasn't much better. I, I barely scraped by again, but third year, everything changed. And it was because of a video that I saw in one of our classes and it was a video on a guy named Doug Hall. And he runs a company called Eureka Ranch. And basically that what this company cool. <laughs> does is they come up with like new product ideas for Fortune 500 companies. So companies like FedEx, Ford Motor Company, Disney, huge, huge companies. They will come to Doug's facility and they will participate in three days of brainstorming. Wow. Where Doug will facilitate a whole bunch of creativity exercises and they come up with all these new product ideas. Well, in the video, Doug was wearing like a Hawaiian shirt and shorts. <laughs> he was running around like with no shoes or socks on. And I thought to myself, dang, that looks amazing. Like that's, <laughs> that's what I want to do. Like this whole business thing just didn't feel right. I didn't feel good in a suit and tie. Like it just wasn't me. I felt yeah. like a square peg in a round hole, but Doug, he had opened my eyes to a new possibility. So then what happened was I found out he wrote a book called Jumpstart Your Brain. And I just consumed that thing backwards and forwards and forwards and backwards. And it was all about how to think more creatively. And so I started applying what he taught in that book to my schoolwork. And my schoolwork, my grades just took off. I went from bottom of the class to top of my class, graduating uh, most outstanding male. And so... I was really passionate about this um, material. And, and, and so I started actually, when I graduated, um, speaking to other students at colleges and high schools and yeah. so forth. And uh, that's really what started the whole path for me. I went from becoming a uh, professional speaker to wanting to figure out how to leverage my message to reach more people. So that led me to online marketing. And that caught the attention of a number of people because I was doing a, a number of things right. And then next thing I know, I had built this affiliate management business where I was essentially doing what I was doing for myself, but for others, really high yeah. level marketers. And then I realized, wait, this is, I'm still trading time for money. That's not good. Yeah. So I wanted to leverage it in the form of a membership site. That's what led to creating Wishlist Member. That process of when you said you needed to create some software for a membership site, obviously a lot of people think, oh, I could do with this. But how did you go about that? I mean, and how, how was that struggle? I know you launched it in 2008. How was that first, you know, that literally the first day, the first week, the first month, how quickly did it take you to get it all together? And uh, would you consider yourself a techie at that stage even? I was definitely not a techie. I'm yeah. still not a techie. 
when I explained this interview, I said to my wife, I'm going obviously to speak to Stu and when I met you and she was like, oh yeah, people are into like technical and into computers. And I said, I don't think he is. I said, you can always, you can outsource this and get someone to do it. He's, you know, the idea man. So I'd be interested to hear this. Yeah, I definitely, I wasn't a techie. I'm still not a techie, but I have um, developed multiple software companies. And in fact, I'm starting another one uh, later this year with my brother-in-law. And so the reality is you can definitely come up with ideas and uh, pursue them, even though you may not necessarily be the quote developer or the technical person behind it. Yeah. So in my situation, basically what had happened was I was looking to start my own membership site and the software that was available at that time was very technical. And I mean, I know enough to be able to, you know, browse the web and do all that kind of stuff, but I'm not like a server admin or a coder or anything of that nature. And really that's what at the time these membership scripts required. And it was just way beyond me. And I was really frustrated by that. And I was talking to my business partner or my friend at the time, Tracy, and I'm just like, dude, this thing sucks, man. Like I hate <laughs> how I have to depend on a developer just to make small changes. And he said to me, he's like, well, what would you do if you didn't have to do that? And I said, man, I would, I would do this and I would do that. And I'd have it. So it, you know, uh, was built off of WordPress and all this kind of stuff. And he said, well, why don't you create it? And I said, well, dude, I'm not a developer. Like, I don't even know where to, Yeah. I, I, there's no point in me even thinking about that. And then he said something that, you know, dramatically changed my perspective on this. He said, well, why don't we team up together? He's like, I have a phenomenal developer that works with me. He's like, you've got the vision. Why don't you map that out? We'll hand it off to Mike and then we'll just see where it goes. And that's what happened. So I went into Photoshop and I did some basic mock-ups, handed them off to Mike. A month later, we had a beta. I sold it to a small group that I was in a mastermind with, about 20 people. Mm. Every single one of them bought it. Now there's a key lesson there. I didn't give it to them. Yeah. I offered it at a dramatic discount to them because I wanted to see if they would be willing to buy. It was like my first uh, proof of concept. All of them did, so I'm like, okay, this thing's kind of got legs. So then a month after we sold it to them, and got some feedback and made some iterations, we went public and that was in October 22nd, 2008. Whoa. And um, after the first month, I think the first month we did like, I wanna say close to $7,000 in sales. Yeah. And um, there wasn't a lot of big promotion. It was a lot of word of mouth. And I thought to myself, man, this thing's got legs. Yeah. And at the time, I had a very successful consulting business. I was earning multiple five figures a month, but I was trading time for money. And this software uh, company that we just started, it had legs. And I thought to myself, man, wouldn't it be amazing if I could if we could build this thing so that I could let go of the one-on-one -on -one consulting and I could really leverage my time. And that's ultimately what we decided to do. Second month, I want to believe, I want to say it was just like over 10,000. Yeah. Third month was over 20,000 and then just kept going up from there. And um, then, you know, it grew into a multiple seven figure a year business and uh, we had 20 plus employees when I left and it, it was a, it was legit, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> With a, with a pain point that I was experiencing. Great way for it to evolve, obviously, a, a genuine problem that you can solve. So, you know, you know, at least one person would like it anyway. <laughs>
Yeah, and, and I honestly, I love building products that I use myself. I mean, when you've created something from the ground up, and obviously you're, you're very passionate about it, and like you said, you still really like the product, how was that decision and how quick was it when you decided to pretty much step away from it? Because that's obviously in the, in the last year, you've sold your stake in it. It was the hardest decision I've ever had to make in my career. So, mm. um, I, as I mentioned, I, I loved my team. I loved my partners. I loved the product. I loved our customers. I loved everything about it. And so why would I want to sell it if I love it? Well, I was, it was um, the end of August. And I, my wife and I were, we took our daughter to a, a summer camp, like a family camp. Yeah. So it was like summer camp for families. And um, so I'm sleeping in this cabin with my wife and my daughter and it's pouring rain outside. And I woke up at like two in the morning and I just couldn't fall back to sleep. The rain was just pounding and I couldn't go outside cause it's raining. I couldn't turn on, on any lights and read any books cause I'm there with my wife and daughter and they're sleeping. So I'm just laying there in the darkness with my thoughts. And I had just read two books that were really impactful for me. One was called Essentialism and the other one was called The One Thing. Okay. And the basic premise of both of them is to get rid of the unnecessary clutter in your life and just focus on the very few things that are really gonna have, meaningful, uh, have a meaningful difference in your life. And one of the things in the book Essentialism in particular provided was a framework for making decisions. Right. And it's a real simple framework. Basically, you first identify like what is your most important criterion for any decisions. And so I had never really done that before. Like what is, how do I make decisions? And you know, what do I base those decisions on? And so ultimately the conclusion that I came to as I was laying there in the darkness, was that my number one decision criterion was stress. Meaning, I will much rather take an option that's gonna make me less money, but is way less stressful. Yeah. Because stress, low stress is my number one priority. Um, so once I identified that, that, that helped. And then my second criterion for me is impact. So you know, how can I impact the most number of people in the most positive way that possible and then my third is profitability so yeah. stress impact and profitability once you are clear on that decision criterion anything that you are looking at as far as options you basically rate those options on a scale of one to ten first using your top criterion so for me uh, uh, number 10 would be a good thing. So yeah. that would mean low stress for me. One would be a bad thing. That would mean high stress. So if I'm looking at, uh, I, I ask myself, okay, of all the projects that I'm working on, you know, where do they rank on this scale? And wishlist member obviously was, it's, it was one of my primary business. So I said, where does that business rank in terms of stress? Mm -hmm. And long story short, the overall score for that business was an eight out of 10. And in the book, they basically said anything that's less than a nine or a 10, get yeah. rid of. So it's like a super easy way to make decisions. But the problem is that with a, when you have a score of eight, it's like the most difficult thing to just get rid of. Yeah, that's because it's close, isn't it? <laughs> it's on the threshold. Yeah, because yeah. it's right there. And you can like justify 
doing a couple things that could move it to a nine or a mm. 10. So in my head, I'm like, well, if we just did this, it would become <laughs> a nine. Or if I just did this, it would become a 10. And so I'm having this battle in the middle of the night. And then I realized, Stu, that's not the purpose of this exercise. The purpose <laughs> of this exercise is to help you move forward quickly in your decision making. Yeah. And so ultimately, my wife woke up and I turned to her and I said, Ames, I, I've made a, a big decision. I, I think I'm going to sell Wishlist. And she said, okay, well, tell me why. And so, you know, I explained to her my rationale and my reason behind it. And I said to her, you know, there's a lot of other projects that I want to do that I really feel like I could have a, a huge impact. And I need to create the mental space to be able to pursue them um, in the way that I want. And she was on board. She said, okay, I'll, I support you. And I just give her so much credit for that. Ultimately, that put the wheels in motion. And I talked to my business partners and, and I basically explained to them, I said, you know, wishlist for me is like dating a really hot girl, you know, <laughs> that you just know you're never going to marry. So on the surface, it's just like, man, this, this woman's a knockout, you know, like yeah. she's unbelievable. But you just know deep down that she's just not marriage material. And so that's really what was happening with Wishlist. Like, I loved every part of it. But deep down, I just knew that business was not my long-term marriage material. Yeah. It's, 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 I'm sure as well, you, you obviously you had a big identity with Wishlist because obviously you, you were known. I mean, a lot of people knew you as, you know, Stu, the, the membership guy, the Wishlist guy. So yeah, It was real hard, man. I had tons of self-doubt. Like you said, what what would people know me for now and 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 would i still have value in the marketplace now then i had doubt around like well maybe this was like my one hit wonder you know mm. what if what if i never am able to have the kind of success that i had with wishlist ever again you know am i throwing that away and i had all kinds of self doubt mm. and i suppose the thing is the thing is as well like like you could take the options, I'm, I'm sure some would do. Like you say, you, you, you've had your big success and especially the way Wishlist is set up, you know, that could be literally for the rest of your life, you'd be set and it's re the recurring nature of it as well. There definitely would have been some people who would have sort of kicked back and sort of run that gravy train to, to, to the end. So, um, yeah, and it was pretty significant revenue, you know, like I, um, that was a, a big decision because, you know, I've got a young family and I don't know about you, but my willingness to take risk has gone down as my family has grown. Fortunately, um, one of the things I do every year is I train myself to face fear and move forward. I do it by um, participating in like extreme sports type things. So like I will go bungee jumping or I will swim with sharks or I will drive Formula One cars. Like, extreme things and yeah. most people think oh Stu, you just love those things that's why you do it no not in all situations <laughs> i don't um but what happens is like when you're standing on the edge of a building uh ready to jump off as part of a bungee jump you you feel the fear yeah like, that, was, that is the scariest thing i've ever done i can back you on that i i, I did the uh, the world's highest one in south africa off wow. the, the kunzis bridge and it was it was just like felt like committing suicide so absolutely it was so unnatural and I, yeah it felt like you're gonna die it, the yeah. build-up was horrible <laughs> you, you feel it right like you you feel it internally and you're yeah. like what what the hell am i doing like why am i willing to do this but what happens is you begin training yourself to feel that fear 
and do it anyway. Yeah. And the more you do that, it's just like a muscle, the stronger that becomes so that when you get to a point where you need that muscle, like I experienced this fall, when I knew that selling my business was the right move for me in the future, even though it had all this emotional baggage tied to it and there was all this fear and uncertainty and doubt that was tied to it, I was still able to move forward and pull the trigger anyway. Yeah. It was a multiple seven figure a year business and it provided a very nice lifestyle for the three founders. It provided a nice lifestyle for the 22 people that uh, were on the team when I left. Um, and so that in and of itself uh, to me was, was a huge success uh, all the way around. Absolutely quality. So, um, and you mentioned about obviously your growing family. You've just said you got an exclusive just before the interview. You yeah. Yeah. My wife and I have been in the process of adopting since 2008, uh, 2007, sorry, 2007. So it's been eight, yeah, 2007, it's been a long time. And there's been a number of complications, but um, last week we got the best call that we could have ever gotten. And uh, basically we have been matched up with a little boy in South Africa. Uh, his name is Simkelo Lucky. They call him Lucky for short. <laughs> Quality. And, uh, he just celebrated his one-year birthday, and we're going to go meet him in a couple weeks. We'll be flying down to South Africa uh, to meet him and uh, welcome him into our family. So, Oh, um, man. Really, uh, pumped and excited about that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Absolutely awesome. Right. So we're starting to find out a bit more about you. So this is the complete blank around. So we're just going to get you to finish my sentence and we'll find out a little bit more about you. Okay. So your best friend would describe you as? Uh, silly and quirky. <laughs> Good. The last time you were drunk was? Um, I would have been November 2011. Um, yeah. I have only drank three times in my life. Uh, <laughs> once when I turned 19, which is the drinking age here in Canada. Oh, there you go. I, I told my teammates if we won the national championship, uh, I played on the soccer team for university. And I said, if we won the national championship, I'd go drinking with them. And we won it twice. So <laughs> when, uh, when I was drunk. Brilliant. Okay. Your favorite movie of all time is? I would say Braveheart for many reasons. Ah. But, uh, I really love that movie. Yeah. The English are bastards in that film. <laughs> we'll go there. We tried to overtake the world, but hey. Yeah. And th then we gave it back eventually. Quality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Um, we're going to move on now to kind of the alpha round. I just want to sort of get some tools, tips, and resources. I probably should have allowed more of the interview for this because you, I, I, I just feel that you, you're just loaded with resources. This is kind of, you have got so many cool tools and things, but I just want to get a quick kind of overview of how do you think some, some great tips or advice for people to, you know, reduce stress, reduce their workload and earn more. Just some key things when people approach you and some tips that you could give and share with us. Yeah, I think the more you can use technology to automate life, the mm -hmm. easier your life is going to be um, because you don't have to think a lot of those about those things. So I use tools like um, IFTTT.com. So it stands for if this, then that. So IFTTT.com. And basically what it does is it helps connect different services that you may use to automate different processes. So what would be an example? Well, if I write a new blog post, I can set it so that as soon as I click publish, 
The blog post then gets posted to Facebook. It automatically gets posted to Twitter and, and so forth. Or if I post a picture on Instagram, it also would then go to Twitter and Facebook and my blog perhaps. Yeah. Um, so it's just a, it's a great tool for automating different processes. And I use a similar tool called Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R, Zapier. Um, the two tools are very similar. Zapier yeah. just has more, uh, has the ability to do more stuff. Awesome. Um, Absolutely brilliant. Well, I mean, we asked for some resources there too. Great resources there as well. You mentioned quite a few books earlier as well. I mean, is there a key book that you'd like to recommend? I mean, the ones you recommended earlier were absolutely brilliant. It's, it's up to you if you want to add to that or highlight any more. Yeah, I got a few that I'll add. So uh, I mentioned um, Essentialism, yep. uh, Critical Book, and The One Thing. Uh, both books uh, dramatically influenced my decision to sell my business. Um, this book, Jumpstart Your Brain, was the book that I read in college that uh, <laughs> taught me how to think more creatively. And then uh, this book is just a fun read. Uh, it's called The Professor, the Banker, and the Suicide King. And it's a true story of how a billionaire played high-stakes poker with the world's best poker players. And it's a fascinating read because he basically takes the world's best poker players. He was like a – he was an amateur, like average player. Yeah. But because the stakes got raised so high – um, he was able to uh, really take them kind of out of their element. So it's a great story. That's really interesting. Yeah. Could you give us sort of an overview of why you think membership sites are, are such a good thing for you know business owners or a way forward to help you get a sort of a better life and you know leverage your time? Is there any sort of key mistakes people make with membership sites and things you can help with? Key benefits would be stability. It provides tremendous stability in any business. You know, yesterday I was meeting with a new client who is flying to Toronto. We're doing a one-day consultation together. And, you know, she's got a great business, very successful business, um, but it's very launch dependent. So, you know, mm. she'll launch and she'll generate a bunch of income and then it kind of dies down and launch. And, uh, and that's very stressful. It's a very stressful business model. Whereas membership income is just, it just continues to go up and up and up. And it's stable, it's dependable, it's reliable, it's predictable. And those are all things that eliminate stress. So um, that's one big reason I love it. Second big reason I love it is because it it's, um, provides tremendous leverage. So you're going to essentially do the same amount of work as if you were selling to one person or 1,000 people or yeah. 10,000 people. It's the same amount of work regardless. So it allows you to scale and it, there's tremendous leverage there, which is, which is what I, what I love before where I was working one-on-one -on -one with clients, there's no scaling there. You know, I, I can't scale me unless I hire more people, but even then it's not a direct replica of me. So that's another reason, I, uh, another big reason I love membership sites. Big mistakes that people make is that, um, they market the membership site the same way day in and day out. It's a huge mistake. You got to uh, keep your marketing fresh. Second mistake is that they don't focus on uh, keeping members. So they yeah. have a big focus on getting new members, but they don't have a focus on keeping members. And really, the money um, is made in making people happy long term. So uh, you want to put as much, if not more, emphasis on your retention side of things. And then the third mistake would be not listening to your members. You know, many times when you start a membership site, it's on a particular subject. But the reality is it, it should 
mold and more based on the needs of your community. And if you're not listening to that community and you're not uh, adapting accordingly, uh, it's going to be a slow and steady death. <laughs> no, great advice. Absolutely great advice. Who do you think I should interview next or very soon? Who do you think would be a good recommendation from your network to be on Awaken Your Alpha? Hmm, good question. Uh, James Wedmore is a good buddy of mine. He'd be a great, uh, a, a great candidate because he um, has learned how to leverage uh, video in a really creative way to grow businesses. What's the one question you thought I was going to ask or you wished I'd ask and you feel like I've missed a trick, I've skirted around it or I've not, not put enough emphasis on it? Is there any that spring to mind? Uh, yeah, there'd probably be two. Like one would be like, what's what's the reason for doing all of uh you know doing all that we do and you know my answer to that would have been you know for impact you know one of the things that i believe wholeheartedly is today we live in the best time ever for controlling and designing our future so i love it for from a business perspective because i wasn't a suit and tie kind of guy i couldn't go into the corporate market and feel comfortable going in and slogging my days day in and day out had to figure out something that would fit for me. And the great thing is today, more than ever, we have the best opportunity to design our lives. And so I want to encourage people to take control over that, you know, design your life the way you want it to be, because there has never been a time where you can reach more people in this world and do it so cost effectively that you really can open up opportunity. Now, what that does is it gives you an opportunity. Once you start um, reaching more people and impacting more people, you have a chance at that point to be able to channel those efforts to causes or uh, things that you're passionate about. You know, my wife and I, we started our own charity where we build uh, schools in Africa. That would never have happened, you know, 15 years ago had it not been for the internet and how we're able to leverage it um, to raise money and to, and to build our businesses and so forth. So I just want to encourage people to just take control over their lives because, you know, you really can. Um, have a huge impact, not only on yourself and your family, but uh, your community and the, and the world as a, as a whole. And then the second question that you didn't ask that I thought you were going to was about mentors. Yeah, I want to emphasize the Yoda question and who helped awaken your alpha and it was that kind of mentor figure or a few figures along the way. There have been many great uh, figures along the way. You know, currently in my life, I've got a, a business partner, uh, New York Times bestselling author, Michael Hyatt. Um, at michaelhyatt.com. Phenomenal, phenomenal guy. Um, he's the former CEO of one of the largest publishing companies in the world, a $250 million a year company. Uh, he's now a blogger and he shares his thoughts on leadership and success. Amazing, amazing man. Tremendous mentor for me. But another person is somebody I would encourage your audience to go check out by going to YouTube and just typing in The Secret Billionaire. It's a guy by the name of Chuck Feeney. Now, Many people probably don't know who that is, but he basically started the duty-free shops that we see in all of our airports all the time. Oh, blimey, yeah. And so this guy became ridiculously wealthy in a very short period of time, and he became so wealthy that he actually started to really feel guilty about it. And so he just started giving money away anonymously to schools and different causes that he was passionate about. But only recently did he actually come out and share that it was him that's been giving this money away and his goal is to give every single penny away before he dies. And he's in his late 70s, and he's giving away essentially a million dollars a day to different causes and things that he's passionate Whoa. about. 
And he just really inspired me. He's just really inspired me because it's just like, we can use our gifts to design a life that we love, that serves us, but we can also use those gifts to really impact so many people and do it in such a positive way. And so for me, I used to feel guilty about the money that I was making. You know, I come from a small town out in the middle of nowhere. I was making more than both my parents combined, you know, in my early 20s. And so I felt tremendously guilty about that in the beginning. But once I realized that making money is, there's nothing wrong with making money because yeah. it's just a way for you to channel the money that, to, the, to channel the value that you've created and, and uh, give it to somebody else. And so for me, what I realized was the more money I make, the more impact I can have. And I really learned that lesson from Chuck Feeney. He really opened my eyes to that and I'm forever grateful for it. So you, people can go watch a video of him on YouTube just by searching The Secret Billionaire. Absolutely brilliant. And then finally, what is the best way people can connect with you if they want to find out more about the work you do and, and just follow you really? Yeah, just go to stu.me, stu.me, everything's there. Perfect. Well, Stu, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. It's been great to reconnect after all these years and uh, great to hear about your growing family. And uh, it's been an absolute pleasure today. All right, cheers. Thanks, buddy. Cheers, man. Check out this fantastic podcast. Do the little guy a favor. Subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back. Brand new for 2015. To get all the updates and exclusive insider tips and resources of what's coming up and really be in touch with this show and make sure you don't miss a trick, head over to ayalpha.com. That's ayalpha.com. And I'll give you all the resources through there. You sign up, sign up to email, and currently we're giving away my number one best-selling book, The New Rules of Success, completely free. So jump straight over to there. I look forward to sharing this journey with you. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless.